You just went to church. Amen? Amen. Today's message may be one of the most practical and applicable messages that you will ever hear. So I want to set up a couple of scenarios as we get everything started today. Let's say you're waking up multiple times each night with a certain situation on your mind. And you've continued to bring it to God in prayer. You've asked God to solve the problem. You've asked God to handle the issue. You've asked God to intervene. And it seems like the longer you pray and the more you pray, it almost seems like nothing's happening. And the days go into weeks and weeks go into months and months turn into years. And you're starting to get discouraged with it. So it also seems as though that issue has been so pronounced that throughout your day, you're having a hard time focusing on the things you're supposed to focus on. Because that issue, that situation, sometimes even that person, they're still in this unresolved state. You share it with some friends, Christian friends, and they say, you need to stop worrying about that and you need to trust God. And you want to. And then you open up the Bible and you begin to read Scripture and it almost seems like every page there's a passage that jumps out where God's saying, stop worrying about that. I want you to trust me. And you want to. And then you come to a worship service and there's something that happens in music and sometimes it might be one of those songs where it's calling us to step out on deeper waters with God and it resonates in your spirit because you want to be that person. You want to walk boldly and courageously and by faith and it calls out you want to and yet it seems like worry is just overcoming you day by day. You hate how it makes you feel. You want to be free, but you've run this cycle sometimes thousands of other times before. And you're just wondering, is it possible for me to be free? Or maybe, let's say you're telling yourself another story. Maybe you're saying, I'm not worried, I'm just concerned. That softens the blow a little bit, doesn't it? And you, you try to convince yourself that the sleepless nights and the constant pessimism that's looping in your mind, you say, I'm just concerned about things. And by the way, somebody has to be concerned. Like everybody can't just go on like in la-la land. Somebody's got to focus on this stuff. Like my family is in trouble. My work situation is in crisis. Our world is having difficulty. Somebody's got to be concerned. And if it's not me, then who's it going to be? It sounds reasonable, responsible even. But then when you're alone and you're by yourself, you begin to have this nagging question. Where exactly is the line between worry and concern? And while we're there for a moment, let's just kind of help clarify what that line is. Worry is concern that's been separated from God's help. Let me say that again. Worry is concern that has been separated from God's help. Concern can be healthy. Worry is not. 
our concerns become worry when we think it's all up to us to fix the problem, to fill the need, to change the person, to find the way, to make the plan. Concern, listen to this, concern says, God, there's a problem, and I'm trusting you can resolve it, and I am here for whatever you would ask of me. Worry says, God, there's a problem, you're not handling it, so I'm going to have to do it myself. Worry is concern addressed in our own strength. Now, if you can identify with any of that, then at least at some point in your life, if not right now, you have wrestled with some issues of worry or anxiety. Worry hits different people in different ways. And the way I like to share it with people is there's kind of like two extremes when it comes to worry and anxiety. So on one extreme, you have those people who just are calm and chill. Nothing seems to upset them. They just kind of go through life, just going with the flow. Never really high, never really low. They're just calm people in general. They make great island people. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're just always relaxed. They're laid back. If they had a theme song, it would be, don't worry, be happy. There it is, Bobby McFair, and you know it. Yes, so that type of person, you either want to be that person because calmness and peace eludes you, or you get really mad at that person because you want them to freak out with you. That, that's one extreme. On the other side, you have people who are just a hot mess. I, I mean, they were born worrying about things. At four years old, they're worried because of fluctuations in the stock market. I, I mean, they, they stay amped up, and they're stressed out, and they're teetering on the edge of what could be considered healthy. And by the way, they do not save their drama for their mama. They bring it with them. Everywhere they go, they walk in and drama arrives with them. They make what I would consider to be great bunker people. And it makes sense. When you're worried about everything, you get prepared for everything. So for that particular individual, like they're always, they're concerned, they're worried, they're trying to prepare. By the way, two years ago when nobody could find toilet paper, they already had it. They had been preparing for that scenario for years. It was go time in their house. They're like, kids, get out the toilet paper. Now, if they had a theme song, it would be Help by the Beatles. Some of you are singing it in your mind right now, aren't you? Yeah, so you either feel sorry for that person because they worry so much, or you really like being around that person because they make you feel calm. Those are your two extremes. Now, somewhere else between those two extremes, everybody kind of fits in along that continuum. Now, regardless of where you might be fitting, particularly at this point in your life, along this continuum, the Bible helps us understand how we are to view worry. It shows us what the root of worry is all about. It gives some warnings about worry. And more than anything, and this is why it's so important for us, it provides clear teachings on what we're to do when we worry. It's not if, it's going to be a when type of a scenario. So our key text for this morning is going to be Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to be preaching this morning 
specifically out of the New Living Translation because it was so unbelievably clear as to how this particular translation puts this one verse. Now, as we unpack this particular verse, I'm going to be dealing with five different questions. We're going to ask five questions about worry and anxiety, and we're going to see how the Word of God addresses each of these five questions. So today is week number two in our Rewire series, and we're asking God to help us rethink how we think about worry. So as you're finding your place in the text, let me take just a moment and help share something incredibly positive. So you all know in the month of January, we were casting vision, we were going through our Meet the Need offering, and during that time, there was a goal above and beyond the tithes and offerings coming in of a million dollars we're talking about raising specifically in order to advance the gospel here in Albany, in this region, and around the world. I want you all to know this last week, here's what came in on the pledges. $1,074,000 came in through pledges. So praise the Lord, a million is what came in and a million 74,000 came with that. So all that being said, I want you to look, if you would, right now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and I want you to look at what this says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let's start with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, We ask today that you would allow our hearts, our minds, our focus to be upon you. What does your word have to say about the subjects of worry and anxiety? God, we're praying from the very beginning that you would allow our minds not to deflect and to think about somebody else for a moment, but God, allow your word to penetrate and sink into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So anytime I address the topics of worry or anxiety, I want to be unbelievably clear from the very beginning. So when I address these topics, I'm talking about the terms in the broadest sense as to how they pertain to people as a whole, people in general, not necessarily what's happening in specific individual cases. Now, granted, the same principles will apply for everyone. But the reason I want to be careful on this is those same words of worry and anxiety are also associated with certain phobias, generalized anxiety disorders, panic disorders, PTSD, a number of other types of things. So I want to be careful on this. So I want to also go through this time, give you a couple of disclaimers from the very beginning. First, I am not advocating that people ignore sound medical advice, sound medical advice, stop taking prescription medicine or do something like that. I'm not advocating for that. Uh, You all believe the same thing that I do, that the word of God teaches that God can heal in an instant if God chooses to. And there's also times that God chooses to heal through doctors and through medicine. Ultimately, healing is in the hands of God. So I want to be careful to say when it's sound medical advice, be careful about anything you do there. Listen to what the medical community is sharing. Second thing I'd like to say is everything I'm talking about today is specifically addressing Christians. If you are not a follower of Christ then this will give you a great view of how the Bible addresses these topics. But the reason I'm saying this is addressing Christians is because each of the passages we're going to go through, each of the answers we find in Scripture were written to believers. 
the enablement that is necessary for a person to live these truths out, that is enablement that comes to us by the Holy Spirit, which happens as a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the same time, it's important because the foundational pieces that people need in order to address deep-seated issues of worry and anxiety are those only because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm talking to believers this morning. Number three, some people will disagree about the biblical position on worry and anxiety. And I will also say there's a lot of Christians who disagree with the biblical position on worry and anxiety. But I would also like to say at the same time that a lot of people disagree with a biblical perspective on heaven and hell and eternity and forgiveness and sin and the family unit. Like, there, there's a lot of disagreement over what the scriptures say. So anticipated disagreement does not release us from pursuing biblical truth. We stick with what the word of God is saying. And number four, experiencing times of worry and anxiety does not mean you have lost your salvation. It doesn't mean God does not love you. It does not mean that you perpetually distrust God. And, and I want to be really clear on this because on this side of heaven, all of us have to wrestle at times with the stressors of life. So if somebody is dealing with a perpetual state, a pattern of their life of there being anxiety and worry and being overwhelmed. If that's happening, here, here's all I can tell you at that point. It is a sign that they're not tapping into maybe the fullness of what God has to offer in that area. It's not that they're not loved. It's not that they're not saved. But for every believer, there is a step, a progression. And by the way, while we're here for just a moment, Never look down your nose at another believer who's struggling in an area that you're not. We all have struggles. That's a, that's a part of the beauty of the body of Christ. That, that's a part of the joy of worshiping with other believers. It's not that we're all so messed up, let's just come all together and just make everybody happy. No, it's, it's we all have struggles, and God is meeting each person at a different moment along the journey, and that's a good thing. It's not something we run from. It's something we celebrate. So again, we all struggle at certain times. But for some people, this struggle is daily. It is debilitating and it is discouraging. Did you all know over 42 million people in the U.S., 19.1% of the population, has been treated in this last year for some disorder or an issue related to anxiety or worry? 33%, one-third of the U.S. population will be treated at some point in their lifetime for those exact same things. National Institute of Mental Health found that anxiety is the number one mental health problem among American women. It is the number two mental health problem among American men. Women are twice as likely to struggle with anxiety as men. And here's another one. Christians and non-Christians are almost dead even in the amount of those who struggle with anxiety and worry. This is a topic that needs to be addressed in the church. So here's the first of our five questions. What is a biblical definition of worry or anxiety? Now, the Bible tends to use the two terms interchangeably. The word 
that typically is translated as worry or anxious in the New Testament is merimiano, which is a Greek word. It simply means to be anxious about. That is the exact word that is found there in verse number six. Now, depending upon the translation that you're using, that phrase is translated, be anxious for nothing, be careful for nothing, don't worry about anything. Uh, basically, it describes an anxious concern based on apprehension about possible danger or misfortune. Now, here's why it has to be important that we address a definition from the very beginning. In a secular, psychological, clinical setting, those two words have very distinct meanings. They're not the same word. So worry is considered to be more an issue of our heads. Anxiety is more of one of our bodies. Worry is more about a specific situation. Anxiety is generalized usually to a category. Worry may trigger problem-solving skills, which can be a good thing, but anxiety does not do that. Worry tends to be temporary where anxiety lingers. Now, the list of the differences could go on and on. Here's my only reason for sharing that with you. A worldly, psychological, clinical understanding of worry and anxiety is different than a biblical understanding. Our job is not to force a secular understanding into a biblical text. Our job is to pull from the text what the text is saying, not read into the text our view, our idea of an idea, and then try to hold God accountable for a definition that is not in his word. One of the most dangerous things we can do when studying Scripture is we see a word here, and then you go to Webster's Dictionary to get your understanding of that. It needs to be defined by how it was defined in context in Scripture. So we find here's our next question. How does the gospel help us overcome worry and anxiety? Great question. By the way, as a follower of Christ, if you want to live on mission with God, walking as a disciple of Christ, we need to be able to trace every part of our theology back into the gospel message. The gospel changes everything. So you have to remember the book of Philippians is written to believers. The moment a person enters relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God addresses four of the inner needs that every person has. So here's the inner needs, and here's also if they're missing, it's how a person walks through life. So, for example, one of those inner needs that everybody has is that of belonging. If it's missing, they feel insecure. Another inner need is that of worth. If it's missing, they feel inferior. Another one is competence. If it's missing, they feel inadequate. Another one of those is purpose. If it is missing, they feel insignificant. So think for a moment what happens with the gospel message. At salvation, we are made sons and daughters and brought into the family of God. And by virtue of that alone, you have belonging. Hey, did you know you might not have a family on this earth, a biological family on this earth. You might not have a tribe, a group that you hang around with. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, at the moment of salvation, you got family. you got people. You've got community. You have belonging. That is an inner need that people have that is immediately addressed by the gospel. Also, at salvation, we realize that we have been pursued by God. 
You did not figure God out. You didn't go chasing after him. According to scripture, God has been the one in hot pursuit of us. It has been God's the one who came and did what was necessary with dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, raising from the dead that we might have life, offering eternal life. It is God who has come for us. So when a person understands the gospel message, all of a sudden, here's what goes off in their mind. The God of this universe thought I had enough value and worth that he would save me. That immediately addresses this inferiority part. At salvation, God promises to mold us into the character and the image of Christ. Did you know it is God who makes us competent for the issues that we face in life? At salvation, God invites us to play a role in his kingdom activities. When you're out just doing your own thing, Sometimes it can feel as though life just doesn't have purpose. There's only so many toys you can buy before you get ex- less excited about toys. There's only so many vacations you can take. There's only so much TV you can binge watch. But when you get on board with what God's doing in the kingdom and you see in life change happening around you, all of a sudden you're like, I'm living for something that's bigger than myself. I'm engaged in something that is shaping eternity. There is purpose that is infused in that individual's life. Every bit of that happens at the moment of salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the next question. Is worry or anxiety overcome in one step? Well, I believe we all would agree and believe you can see it in Scripture. God can do whatever he wants. God could say now, and a person is completely released. He has that ability. He has that power. But you also find a lot of times in Scripture, it's not as much about the immediate release as it is the process that is conforming you into the image of Christ along the way. So sometimes he walks you on a journey. Now, it's important for us to understand that chapter 4, verse 6 is specifically placed at that point in the letter to the Philippians for a really, really important reason. You find verse 6 in chapter 4 for a reason. Here is the reason. All the way up to this point in the letter, the apostle Paul has been addressing different issues that will rob a person of their peace of mind, of calmness, addressing the things that cause worry and anxiousness. So at this point, he's already addressed. Just just listen to these and think about how they might impact somebody's state of mind about worry. He's already addressed the issue of surrendering everything before God. Do you ever struggle with surrendering everything before God? By the way, we, we leave a lot of stuff at the altar at an invitation, and then we pick it right back up when we walk back. He's already addressed surrendering everything to God. He's already addressed repenting of sinful conduct, of taking on the character of Christ, of doing all things without complaining. He's addressed that in chapters 1 and 2. He has taught us where real purpose is found, to forget the things of the past, to reach for the future, and to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. That's found in chapter 3. Also, at the very beginning of chapter 4, he teaches us how to stand in the Lord and how to reconcile differences between other believers. 
In other words, the entire letter to the Philippians has been a crash course on dealing with the very issues that rob people of peace of mind. So, if we fail to apply the teachings of chapters 1 through 3, we are not prepared for the simple instructions of chapter 4. Here's why that's important. When you read chapter 4, verse 6, and it says, don't worry about anything, just pray about everything. You're like, well, I've been praying, and I'm still worried. Well, that's because that section is like step 17 in the lineup. You you gotta go back and say, all right, where did the letter begin? That's why it is so important that believers don't just take a passage out like a sound bite and say, oh, just do this. Well, no, that passage was connected into a broader context. You got to go back and see the steps that are leading you to that point. There is a process. Question number four, if worry and anxiety are so common, is it a real problem? Short answer, yes. Beyond the physical side of things, beyond the emotional side of things, there is a spiritual component in this as well. I'm going to give a couple of things from a biblical perspective. First, Worry assaults the character of God. You might say, Paul, that, that's strong. Well, just track with me for a moment here. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will put on. And he tells you why. Your heavenly Father already knows what you need. So when God says, trust me, and Scripture says that God is your strength and your shield, when the Word of God is telling us that you're not to be anxious about your life because your heavenly Father already knows what you need, and you're reading that and you're saying, God, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to trust you in this. I'm willing to trust you with my eternal salvation, but I don't think your power reaches this far into my life. I'm I'm willing to trust you to go to heaven when I die, but God, I don't know if you can provide for this bill I have coming up at the end of the month. Do you understand how when we say one thing and we say, I believe this, and then our actions, our life is doing the opposite, we're basically saying, Yes, but I don't trust you in this part. Yeah, there is, there's reason for concern. Here's another one. Worry displays roots of self-sufficiency. 2 Corinthians 3.5, this is a great passage. We need to write this one down. We need to memorize. That needs to be one of our memorization verses. Okay, here's what it says. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves. You could camp out for a month of Sundays on that one alone. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Did you get that? We are not self-sufficient. We are God-sufficient. We recognize we we don't have all the resources. We don't have all the wisdom. We don't have all the ability. We, We cannot change everything, but we know someone who can. 
We know somebody who's loaded. He has every resource. He has all the wisdom. He has unlimited power. He has all the strength. So we are not self-sufficient. We are God-sufficient. So go back to one of those original things I said in the introduction. That is, worry is concern that has been separated from God's help. Our concerns become worry when we think it's all up to us to fix the problem, to fill the need, to change the person, to find the plan. Worry is concern addressed in our strength. Here's another reason why it's important. Worry drowns our faith today and feeds our fear tomorrow. Worry causes us to be mastered by our circumstances and not by our God. It keeps us enslaved to what's happening to us and around us and sometimes even without us. If, if you're going to worry every time something happens outside of your control, guess what? You're going to constantly be worried. You're going to constantly be stressed out. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Hey, do you know, I am so glad, I am so glad that Jesus is honest with us in Scripture. I'm so glad he did not say, hey, don't worry about it. It'll be better tomorrow. <laughs> he, he says just the opposite. He's like, it's going to be bad tomorrow too. I mean, he basically says, like, there's enough trouble of its own tomorrow. Like, hey, you got a little bit more of this coming your direction. But why should that not be an issue for the believer? Listen, Lamentations 3.23, it says, his mercies are new when? Every day. Every day. That, that's good because tomorrow's problems will be met with tomorrow's mercy. But we're, we're getting freaked out because we're trying to drag today's mercy into next week's problems. Hey, listen, we have to learn to let mercy breathe in the moment God gave it to us. Tomorrow's needs require tomorrow's mercy. And you have a God who's promised there's new mercy coming for you in the morning. Corey Ten Boom said, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strengths. Last question and we close. How can we help combat worry and anxiety? Well, one of the first things is exactly what the text is telling us. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So take everything to God in prayer. Prayer changes things. Now somebody might say, it's not changing anything in my life. Like I've been praying for weeks or months on this and nothing's changing. Here's the reason why that can be a struggle if we don't frame it right, if we don't rethink how we're thinking in that moment. If we're not careful, we think the only change is the answer we're looking for. Sometimes the change is what God does in you before the answer gets there. Sometimes the change is what he's doing in your perspective so that you're now looking at it differently than what you were before. Sometimes the change is character issues. Hey, here's one that God brings me back to so many times. 
Sometimes the change is I've been saying, God, I want a stronger prayer life. And if he gave me the answer on day one, I would just try to do it myself again the next day. But here's what happens. When he doesn't say yes on this day or the next day or the next week, I keep coming back in prayer. You know what's happening? He's building habits of prayer in my life. He's doing the same for you. Sometimes we're looking for change only as the immediate answer to what we're asking. And God is holistically working other things together. Here's the next one. Know, believe, and obey what God has declared in Scripture. Know, believe, obey what God has declared in Scripture. How can we help combat worry and anxiety? We have to know, believe, and obey what God has declared in Scripture. John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. Now, for us to know truth, we have to be in the truth. For us to believe truth, you got to know truth. For us to actually know if we believe it or not, it's going to be determined by are we acting it out? Are we obeying what the Word of God has to say? Here's another one. Allow thankfulness to shape a faith-filled perspective. If you continue in verses 6 and 7, it goes on from be anxious for nothing, pray about everything, and then it says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In other words... Tell God what's on your heart, and while you're doing it, thank him for what he has already done. Remember those other times he came in. Remember the way he provided for you last week and this morning. Remember those things because if you begin to take thankfulness into prayer, here's what happens. You begin to get reminded of the fact that our God is faithful, He has met you at each of the different moments along the way. And when I'm thanking God for those things, it's a lot easier to now pray about the next group because I'm saying, I know he can. I've seen him do it. It's happened in my family's life. It's happened in my kid's life. Like You can track it if you're being grateful and thankful. So one of the first ways I can realize in my life that worry or anxiety are spiraling in the wrong direction is I start to lose perspective. You ever heard the phrase, they're making a mountain out of a molehill? If you don't bring thankfulness back into your prayer time, your perspective is not being shaped by faith in God. Many times it's being hit by whatever circumstances you're walking through. Here's the next one. Let your mind dwell upon things that are good. When you're spiraling in a worry cycle, it doesn't help for you to simply say, well, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Like the Bible says, don't worry. All right, I'm, I'm starting tomorrow. I'm not going to worry. Did you know the issue is not necessarily you trying to get out the bad stuff? The real issue is you putting in the right stuff. Your mind is going to think about something. you got to begin to retrain the mind, rewire the mind to think with the right things. So again, in context, same section, Philippians 4, verse 8 says, Brethren, it says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are good, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Dwell on these things. Think about those things. To implement verse number eight, 
It might be that you just need to get away from things for a moment go on a walk. Let God help you clear your mind out. It might be that you get away from phones, electronic devices, go step out, let the breeze blow in your face for a moment, listen to the birds sing, sweat to death in southwest Georgia heat. Like, well, I mean, enjoy nature to a certain limit right there. But the point is, sometimes it's good to just go out and to see how God's already keeping everything together. Sometimes it might mean that you listen to a message. Might mean that, that you go through, listen to this, you go through and you turn on some worship music that is speaking to your soul. Have you all ever found those times that it's like you can't get out in prayer what's on your heart and then you listen to a song and somebody else put your prayers to music? And all of a sudden you're like, there's almost like a feeling, a weight that comes off. Sometimes it's listening to worship music. Sometimes it might mean that you go out and you contact and spend some time with a positive Christian friend. I emphasize the word positive. You go hang out with the wrong one, they're going to bring you further down right there. Find someone who's walking with Jesus and loving the Lord and excited about life. That, it's amazing how that begins to shape perspective. And here's the last one. Plan ahead and do what can be done today. There are certain types of worry and stress and anxious thoughts that they come into our lives by lack of planning or failure to do what we already know needs to be done. So, Let's just throw this out for all the students in the room. Let's say you have an exam tomorrow. Cracking your book for the first time at 10 p.m. tonight is not going to enhance your calmness. And by the way, God is under no obligation to illumine your mind in the exam if you have failed to prepare your mind in study. I figured I'd take that one for all the parents and the teachers who have been sharing that with your kids. Okay, listen, it, part of the stress and the worry we have is the fact that we're simply not planning ahead and doing what it is that we already know needs to be done. So you might say, is, is there a Bible verse to go to? You know there is. Here's one of my favorites. <laughs> Proverbs 24, 27, one of my favorite planning passages. Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. Okay, now there's all sorts of applications for this. And young men, here's one. Listen closely. The, the closest interpretation based on culture and meaning is instructing young men to prepare their way of making a living before they start their family. Okay, so here's how that works out. Prepare your fields today. Do what you know needs to be done today. Plan ahead today. Prepare the way you're going to be making a living today so that you can build your house, you can take care of your family, you can handle your responsibilities tomorrow. And I love the fact it's in the context of farming because if you don't plan ahead, you don't throw a seed one day and reap a harvest the next. There's a process that you're involved in. It's a planning step. So in conclusion, based on what I've shared, I've got a number of questions and we close. Ask yourself these questions. 
Am I approaching worry in a biblical way? Am I filling my mind with the right things? Or am I filling my mind with every negative thing that loops through the news cycle? Am I overwhelmed by worry because I'm trying to be self-sufficient? I shared a week or so ago, believers are never removed from a position of dependence upon God. Another question, am I assaulting God's character by claiming his greatness and yet acting as though he is not enough? Has God addressed the four inner needs in my life? Belonging, worth, competence, purpose. Has there ever been a time that I know I have repented of my sin by placing faith in Christ? Regardless of how you might have answered those questions, the issue now is what is the next thing he's calling you to? That's going to be different from person to person. I'm going to ask you if you would. Bow with me for just a moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. As we're coming to this time of invitation, it's important that we stop and we make sure that people are encouraged to take what the next step is for them. If you never do anything different, you will be fighting the same battles tomorrow. God often brings truth to help you see, here's the next step for you. So it might be today that you recognize that those inner needs have never been met in your life. You you know that there's not been a time that you have repented of your sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, I want to simply give the gospel another time today. Here's the beauty of the gospel message in very simple terms. Humanity was created for relationship with God. That's why you're here. Our sin separated us from that relationship. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There was nothing that any of us could do to make things right. Our morality was not enough. Religion was not enough. Good intents and purposes, not enough. So Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He rose from the dead three days later that we might have life. And he offers eternal life, a reconciled relationship to those who repent of their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message. The gospel is not clean up your life first and then try to come to God. The gospel message is bring all of your problems before the throne of God. Bring it all before the cross of Jesus Christ because he alone can do what you could never do for yourself. So our pastors are going to be down the end of the aisle here in just a moment. We're going to sing this final song of invitation. It might be that you need somebody to pray with you this morning. It might be today that you say, I need to have a personal relationship with God. I need the gospel to transform me. If that's the case, come talk to one of these pastors and they will tell you everything that you need to do, what that next step might be. You might be in a place that you just need somebody to pray with you. you you've got so much worry and so much anxiety built up that you don't even know where to begin. There's pastors who are here that'll help. 
There's female counselors who are here. If you would like for somebody to pray with you, somebody wants to meet you at this next step. So I'm gonna have a word of prayer. I'm gonna encourage you to make the next step that God has for you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we recognize that we cannot do what only you can do. God, I pray that you would help us to rethink how we think about worry and anxiety. And God, may you have your will in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.